0: Welcome to another exciting episode of the Religious Studies Project. My name's Christopher Cotter and I'm joined today as ever by... David Robertson. And the audience. And you, the listener. Exactly. Um, We're brought to you, as ever, by the British Association for the Study of Religions and the North American Association for the Study of Religions. And it's been a real cracking start to our 2016-2017 academic year. And The interview we had a couple of weeks ago with Taira went down uh, very well. We've had a, a veritable perfect storm of responses to that. And last week's interview that David did with Grace Davey has also received significantly more hits than usual. So we're really excited about that. This week's another interview that David's recorded, this time with Milda Alaskowskiana, on um, religion and religious studies in Lithuania. I think that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, and uh, I'll pass over to me.
1: Hello, I'm here again today in Helsinki at the EASR conference, and this afternoon I'm joined by Milda Alishauskiene from uh, Vytautas Magnus University in Vilnius, Lithuania. She is an associate professor in the sociology department, Um, and we are going to be talking today about the religious field in Lithuania and religious studies in Lithuania. So, Milda, first of all, welcome to the Religious Studies Project. Thanks. Been,
2: Hello. Hi. We've
1: been hoping to have you on for a mm. while now, so glad to finally do it. Mm. Um, perhaps you could begin by telling us, uh, telling our audience a little bit about the situation in Lithuania h- historically and the uh, and the Soviet uh, issue.
2: Mm. Yes. Uh, well, when talking about the contemporary religious situation in Lithuania, it is really very relevant to go back to history and uh, if we go back first of all we have first step uh, back it would be the uh, declaration of independence in early 90s before that there was a soviet occupation period uh, for more than fix, uh, 50 years and uh, before that in between 2 World wars, Lithuania had also independent republic, and so many things that we see now we must see within this his, socio-historical context mm-hmm. what happened before, and uh, particularly, for instance, the the role of religion in contemporary society. Yeah. So, uh, returning to what happened uh, within the historical um, periods that I mentioned, I would say that. Uh, uh, first of all, during Soviet, uh, Soviet uh, uh, regime period, we had the secularization or forced secularization of, of uh, religion, which uh, manifested mainly through the uh, withdrawal, forced withdrawal of religion from public sphere. Uh, this does not mean, though, that religion disappeared from individual and uh, private lives of individuals. Uh, but uh, within the public sphere definitely we can see that religion was not there uh, when we when we approach the organizational level we can see that uh, during soviet times many religious communities um, have lost their property uh, the clergy and the education uh, the system of education of clergy was um, uh, Destroyed, mm-hmm. so there was a discontinuity in in uh, uh, many activity in activities of many religious communities. Uh, Lithuania was uh, mainly Roman Catholic since the times of Counter Reformation, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Roman Catholic Church was dominant religion, and uh, during the First uh, Republic as we call it uh, in between the first and second world war uh, roman catholic church played a very important role then roman catholic church uh, participated within national awakening movement in the late 19th century it uh, helped uh, to it participated in the uh, nation building process and and thus became a very important part of the of the national identity mm-hmm. and uh, during the republic times the first republic times roman catholic church also was an active agent within public life and this meant uh, that uh, for instance priests were also uh, sometimes officers of the state you know they were they were uh, uh, having posts within uh, government uh, mm-hmm. offices mm-hmm. and they they were able to to make decisions on behalf of all religions yes, okay.
1: within <laughs> within
2: state uh, so uh, things changed after after the after the uh, second world war and the and the uh, Soviet occupation after after the uh,
1: can I get you to go back to things changed after okay. that, just because yeah, of that? Because yeah, because it
2: was very, it's very, very noisy. Thank you. So, yeah, things changed after, after the, um, the independence was again declared in uh, early 90s. Uh, on one side, because the church clergy was not appointed anymore and the idea of religious pluralism was uh, um, more or less, um, taken as it is in in many Western democracy countries, as it looks like, you know. Like, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, uh, I would say that uh, there is a continuous uh, kind of social memory of uh, Roman Catholic Church being a very, very important mm-hmm. part of, of national identity and of public life.
1: That's interesting. I mean, that's a very similar situation uh, in Poland, for instance, where you have this very strong... Cultural identity with Catholicism, which is, of course, so different to the way that it is in the more sort of Protestant uh, kind of countries, um, well, where most of the sociology of religion comes from. Let's yes, face it. Yes. But I'm wondering if, like Poland, there was was the particular form of Catholicism quite loosely adhered to. Although you have the very strong cultural identification in Poland for instance there're a lot of folk practices it's a very vernacular form of of catholicism is it similar in Lithuania
2: uh yeah i would say although it's uh, it's different from polish because of as when when you see that it's related also to cultural uh identity you know Poles are—it's—it's uh, it's a Slavonic uh, nation, mm-hmm. and the Afianians, uh have uh, different—the uh, language is different, and yeah. and and we have uh, in the Finnish yeah some different different uh, cultural aspects uh, might be visible, so. Um, I would I would like to make a difference between Polish Catholicism and Lithuanian Catholicism, and you can see particularly these differences. For instance, even in Lithuania, if you go to Vilnius region, which is mainly inhabited by Poles, and then you go to other parts of the country which are inhabited by Lithuanians, Mm -hmm. so so you can see those differences. Poles are Poles are much more uh, pious. Yes. Yeah, they are more more religious. They are more going to uh, more frequently attending uh, the church. They have also v- these very colorful lived religion I mean, symbols, you indeed, know. Yeah. yeah, which in Lithuania are uh, by Lithuanians are not we're not so much adopted. Mm. Uh, Lithuanians are more um, well. Lithuanian Catholicism symbolism, I would say, is more. Um, uh, Manifested through different uh, wooden carved uh, uh, sculptures, you okay, know, figures, okay. and uh, yeah, or or the, for instance, uh, metal um, uh, metal, uh, sons with crosses, you oh, know, that okay. are, that that are used widely, in in the on the countrysides, for instance. So, uh, yeah. This symbolism is different, yeah, yeah. And I think also that uh, during Soviet times, the um, the the impact of Soviet times for Roman Catholic Church, both in Lithuania and in Poland, was a bit different. different too. Yeah. yeah. Because because Lithuania, as you know, was one of the republic of the Soviet Union, so that meant that that the country was depending very much on the Moscow. And it was really, in a sense, closer to the mm-hmm. the ideal of uh, uh, communist, uh, whatever vision they had of the society. And than so, the Poland. secularism was
1: much more firmly yes, um, yes, in, yes, uh, I would, enforced. Yes, yes, I
2: would say so. I would say so. Meanwhile, in Poland, they 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 could have. They first of all, they they had more uh, kind of, um, you know. Uh, individualistic lifestyle they mm-hmm. they had the, um, in many cases you know more vivid uh, uh, rural lifestyle and where, where the mm-hmm. religious life might be more more uh, yeah, alive there. Yeah.
1: was there in lithuania then any kind of sort of religious underground during the soviet um, era and i mean either whether we're talking about catholicism or or more vernacular forms or or whatever was this stuff going on under the surface
2: oh sure oh sure yeah uh, there was a roman catholic uh, church chronicle that was published and it was it was a publishing in the underground right yeah right. so right. so people were were um, printing it at home with their uh, Little small machines. About yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and they were sharing uh, among themselves how the, it was actually uh, the, the history and the documents that were collected in those, in those chronicles showing how, uh, the Soviet state oppressed the church. It was like a collection of documents, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and evidences oh, showing, yeah, yeah. showing, yeah, that, that this is, that we are oppressed at the same time uh, there were priests who were taken to 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 the prisons you know because of their of the activities they some of the priests were really really very persecuted and and uh, they were not able to freely freely speak uh, uh, during their sermons mm. you know uh, everybody was aware at that time that uh, during uh, during the masses someone is coming from the from the authorities to to observe what's going on Uh, at the same time uh, i i would say that uh, what's interesting from my uh, field of research that i can see that minority religions also um, they 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 lived their life they lived their religious life they were meeting in in uh, in the apartments they were meeting in the underground and they kept their activities uh though uh, state authorities uh, were trying to reorganize some of their religious uh, organizations for instance there were attempts to join baptists with pentecostals for instance the the state the the soviet authorities thought that there is no need to have two registered religious organizations yeah. that they can be joined you know for for whatever reason But, but this of course made some confusion in, in, in those uh, communities. So they rather decided then not to go against it because it was not possible, but rather to stay in more underground activities and Mm -hmm. keep on going with their, with their religious practices and rituals.
1: Um, And when we, when you talk about uh, minority religions there, um, are we talking about both kind of, um, well, what we might call ethnic minority religions, you know, so th- things uh, imported things like uh, Islam or whatever forms of Hinduism or anything. But are we also talking about new religious movements? I mean, um, anything in the kind of esoteric or New Age kind of milieu?
2: Um, why not? I, you know, when when you have. Uh... Dominant one major religion. Mm-hmm. So the other religions are minority religions, yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> all of them. So uh, within minority religions, you can see the largest minority religion, Orthodox Church,
0: of course, you know, yeah, which of is, course. which
2: is, yeah, which is of course related to ethnical uh, minority as well. Okay. Yeah. Then there is old believers, which is also ethnically Russian speaking part of population.
1: Now, is that the, The breakaway lineage of the Catholic Church?
2: No, Old Believers is actually the schism of Orthodox Church. Ah. It was, it was, uh, it happened when, when Tsar initiated Church Reform, Orthodox Church Reform, and there was the, uh, the schism within, within uh, Orthodox Church. And at that time, because Lithuania was a part of Soviet, uh, of, of Russian Empire at that time, these groups, they were persecuted mm-hmm. by Tsar regime. So, so they were going on the outskirts of the empire. And yeah. Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, they ah. were on the outskirts. So, yeah, both three countries of the Baltic states, they have these quite visible minorities of old believers, which uh, at that time they were mainly rural dwellers mm-hmm. coming with their families and settling here in order not to be visible, you know, right, and, yeah. and not to be persecuted anymore. So, yeah, old believers. Then we have uh, interesting my, visible minorities uh, that were brought in by uh, by our Grand Duke Ivitotas like Karoids and Tatars from Crimea, okay. because Lithuania at one point in the 14th century was... Uh, as big as it, as it, uh, the territory was as big as it had uh, on one side, the uh, Baltic Sea and on the other side, Black Sea. Right. So, uh, Grand uh, Duke Vitautas invited uh, these uh, minorities, Tatars and Karaites to, to join country. So, uh, when I say Tatars, this means that uh, Sunni Muslims are, mm. are minority religion. Mm-hmm. In in Lithuania, and, and then for a long time, as and well, for a yeah. long time, almost six hundred years, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and and then we have uh, Jehovah Witnesses, Seventh Day Adventists, the Pentecostal Baptist, Mennonites, you know. So yeah. it's it's a wide range, and of course Lutherans and 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 Reformed, who are also. Um, more than four and five hundred years in Lithuania.
1: Yeah. yeah wow, so we're talking about quite a, a complex situation. We have a lot of different groups, yeah. some of which are tied to ethnic identities as well. Yeah. Then we have this overarching uh, power uh, imbalance of, of you know and, and which seeks to actively affect religion it 's really a fascinating case study. Tell us how it changed after the uh, after the breakup of the Soviet Union.
2: Well, what happened after the breakup of of Soviet Union is, I think that uh, first of all, religion came back to the public sphere. You know, so the so the groups, uh, churches, uh, different denominations, they started to to showing themselves and saying, "Well, we are here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were here during all the time. We were un- in different uh, our underground activities, but we are here." So the churches. Uh, started registering starting started establishing their relationship with um, with the state and uh, Constitution the, the constitu- new constitution was adopted which says that uh, that state acknowledges uh, so-called traditional religious communities mm-hmm. and uh, and registers others religious communities and uh, there is a list of so-called traditional religious communities okay. And uh, and uh, many minority religions are behind the boundaries of that list. I see. Um, so I would say that uh, again, when you see the current religious situation, it is again dominated by Roman Catholic Church, uh, and it's quite maybe understandable because it's, um, it's it it represents a majority of population who declares that they are Roman Catholics. Mm-hmm though being sociologist i'm also asking you know what does it mean of being course. roman catholic of course yes <laughs> and and this uh, this tells me that uh, well, those people those people who really think that they are roman catholic and that practice roman catholicism live according to the values of roman catholicism okay. are minority within this group of majority roman catholics so mm, this is about what I can say about Roman Catholicism, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, just before we move on to the, to, to other traditions, are the numbers roughly the same as they were before the Soviet era? Or has, or is it more secular? I mean, uh,
2: it's roughly the same. Roughly the it's same. roughly the same. During Soviet times, you know, the, the, we, we cannot be very, you can, we, you cannot rely very much on the data that comes from Soviet Union, you know, times when, Because when you ask a population during Soviet times, are you a believer, you know, that... Yeah,
1: it's maybe dangerous (laughs) to answer. Yeah, that's
2: maybe dangerous to answer. So we can see that, uh, for instance, the number of believers grow from 90s to 99. You can see the visible growth. So this meant that population became more liberal, you know, and they they could disclose that they were believers so they they finally understood that now it's time to say that we are believers so yeah, yeah it the, if if uh, i think it the, the number in 90s was about 57 people 57 okay. percent of population who said that they are believers and in 99 it was 75 and since yeah. then it it grew a bit but it's but, been, it's, even but more, yeah,
1: yeah yeah
2: well
1: that's a that is a high figure yeah um okay so uh what about um the other kind of we've already talked that there was some minority religions that are are still sort of sub rosa yeah. um so far but presumably in this more open they're they're pushing perhaps for more public uh, prominence would that be correct
2: uh yes they are but i would say that um uh uh, I am. I agree with uh, with observations of other sc- sociologists who, who focus on this region of Eastern and Central Europe. That actually, what uh, the communist uh, period did, uh, actually, was that uh, that population somehow realized that there should be monopoly. Mm. You know, that in, that there should be monopoly in the worldview so that everyone can somehow join it and be, yeah. And be safe.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, I understand. So
2: the idea of pluralism, the idea of diversity it's, it's becomes resisted. a challenge, yeah, becomes yeah, a challenge. You mm-hmm. know, people say, why do we need it? You know, it's... It's okay. We have one church, and everything is clear in this case. Let's move to other question, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but of course, you know, in in a liberal democracy, you have different worldviews, different faiths, and 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 different beliefs. So so yeah. So
1: and this this idea of of finding security in that you know one overarching kind of narrative, it's maybe even more important. In a a country that's in a sort of slightly uncertain position in terms of its borders, you know, with two different kinds of empires, almost—well, literally in one Um, case—and you know that that need to have stability is perhaps greater than it is on the margins of Europe, where you know where they're relatively wealthy and relatively stable.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, our geographical position is really unfavorable for (laughs) for us very much. So this, this, of course, um, gives um, population ground. For, 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 for some need to search for stability, mm-hmm. at least in some, some places of the, some, some parts of their everyday life. So, yeah, church seems to be like one of those spots, uh, shelters, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but then, interest,
1: interestingly, though, in a, quite a cultural sense. So, you, you say, I mean, compared to some other countries in that area, The Lithuanians are are, Lithuanian Catholics are less pious and less, you know, less attending church and things, but still strongly identifying Mm -hmm. with that collective identity. Yes,
2: yes, and I think that um, they they identify with this and they uh, kind of don't uh, don't disagree uh, Mm -hmm. what, for instance, religious and political elites how they are how they are acting and what what kind of decisions they are making Mm -hmm. because, for instance. a few days ago, Lithuanian Parliament has adopted a very conservative uh, artificial insemination uh, pro, uh, law, mm-hmm. which is uh, again a project of of um, church.
1: I'm um, I'm I'm guessing that there's not high levels of immigration. Would that be correct?
2: Immigration? Or? Yeah, in,
1: in, into Lithuania.
2: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's very little, and uh, you, so far. If to speak about the refugee crisis in mm-hmm. in in Europe, I think uh, maybe just uh, just a few tenths mm-hmm. have arrived of refugees to Lithuania. Interesting.
1: Have you seen any signs of um, what we could, for want of a better term, called religious innovation in this period of uh, where religion is suddenly um, allowed to be spoken of again? Um, have you seen any signs of, of new forms or new sort of uh, public expressions of, of religion
2: well uh, yes, yes, and at the same time, uh, when you start investigating these new forms, you can see that they have also their history. Mm for instance you know we've been speaking about about uh, underground religious activities during soviet times but when i was doing research into uh, contemporary hinduism i realized that that even some kind of spiritual activities like yoga meditations were also taking taking place during soviet times mm-hmm. uh, one of my informants told me that you know uh, Although authorities were quite skeptical and suspicious about different religious activities, they were not so suspicious about uh, people gathering together in the factory for yoga and for meditation. Mm. They thought this is not a very much religious activity. But from that, uh, from those activities, people came uh, uh, come to... um, came to this um, independent uh, period and they brought these ideas with them so now they are um, participating in different contemporary hindu movements mm. they participate in different uh, 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 different um, activities of new age milieu so there is a kind of trace that you can see that mm. it, it, it it also comes because i also must uh, must say that soviet union was a very large country. Yeah. There yeah. were so ma- many things in there, you know, so mm-hmm. many different traditions, so many cultures. And although it was very closed for very much closed for the west, western part of the world. It was not so closed for for the uh, you know, so called mm-hmm. third, f- third world, you know, India yes. and and other, you know, Afghanistan and Pakistan and yeah. Iran
1: and China as and well, China, I guess. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Mongolia was very <laughs> also, course, you know. Yeah. So, so all those ideas, which now we see that they are, for instance, you know, we we may say this is a new age milieu, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but differently from West, it it did not came from California and from West, you know. Yes, yes. It came from other it side. Came, well, it yeah. came
1: directly. That's yeah. really interesting because, of course, even in in communist China, okay. I mean, those kind of. Actually, organizing meditation, Tai Chi, or these kind of things found quite a comfortable place within communism yeah. because they were they weren't seen as religious, yeah. and so it would have been made perfect sense for them to get uh, exported through mm. the Soviets.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, and uh, I mean, Soviet authorities were really, really in deep conflict with religion. But I would also say that uh, with religion, then had western mm-hmm. relations like roman catholic church mm-hmm. and also uh, you know protestant churches which had their their roots behind the western boundary of soviet union but uh, otherwise orthodox church although although uh, really also uh, experienced some persecution though it it was it was uh, kept closer and mm-hmm. and and, and Did not well. At the same time, for instance, Muslims, they they were not so much persecuted. Yeah, yeah. As as uh, uh, Catholics and Protestants and and uh, as I mentioned, Adam.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Um, I'd I'd like to kind of uh, bring us uh, up to the present. and because one thing that's been missing we've talked a lot about the religious groups and the religious authority mm-hmm. and the power what we haven't talked about is the study of religion uh-huh. because i mean that was kind of repressed at the same time as religion was wasn't it
2: yes yes it was and uh, you know uh, study of religions in in lithuania i would say that uh, in the in the first during the times of first republic of lithuania uh, it was mainly the faculties of theology and actually one faculty of theology Lithuania then had a smaller territory and it was really a much more smaller country than it is now so there was a one faculty of theology uh, which was closed when when the Soviets came and uh, since then there were Introduced uh, during Soviet times, they were introduced uh, the uh, scientific atheism classes in mm-hmm. universities, okay. which, as my informants told me, were actually interesting <laughs> and challenging. And you know, I had the uh, interviews with uh, with people who who uh, were born in the rural areas of Lithuania, and then mm-hmm. they came during Soviet times to study in the cities. Mm-hmm. And they said that coming from traditional milieu to university and hear some critique of religion was actually they enjoyed it. It yeah. was challenging because it was also something that made you think.
1: Maybe the first time yeah. they'd ever encountered yes. a different view. Yes, in yes. yes,
2: to think, to reevaluate, to, to 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 reflect upon what what is your background. What are you doing? Why are you doing this or that? Why is your behavior this or that? So uh, there was a, a study of scientific atheism, and uh, some some of my informants I can rely only on this research so far. They told that some teachers were good. Later the situation changed, but um, but uh, yeah. yeah, after Soviet Union collapsed. Uh, Study of Religions was reintroduced to Vilnius University. Uh, in 1993, the, the Center for the Study of Religions was uh, created, and it is there until now. Uh, they have a, a study program for, of ma- master study program of the science of Religion. Uh, they are mainly focusing on of their expertise, is philosophy of religion,. Right. What uh, at the beginning they they have made some some uh, really interesting empirical research into religious situation of the country. Was it 1994, maybe 1996 years? But then they, 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 they changed their focus and uh, And yeah, and I guess that's it. Vitotas Magnus University has a faculty of theology also, but it's it's mainly theology faculty. There, there are no really study of religions as as uh, we would the, understand it.
1: What's been the reception um, of the study of religion in such a uh, Devoutly Catholic uh, or majority Catholic country, because I know in other countries um, we'll be speaking to James Capolo, um this year as well about setting up in Cork, a very strong Catholic kind of presence, and I know that this, uh, in Russia as well, study of religion is now just really taking off. Um, so, what was the relationship with like with the state and the public?
2: The relationship is is uh, kind of clear for everybody because if you if you study religion. The definition of religion is Roman Catholicism. Right. What is religion in Ethiopia? It's Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. So when you study religion, you study Roman Catholic Church. Uh, as being sociologist, I can I I can stick say, still say that I'm study I study religion, but I study religion as a social institution, mm-hmm. and that's why it's uh, religion, not plural religions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, now I would rather make this emphasis on plurality, because then people somehow start thinking, oh, religions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are more religions, (laughs) isn't it? So, so, yeah, we, we, that's what we also emphasized uh, in the, in the uh, name and in the activities of Lithuanian Society for the Study of Religions. We emphasize religions, so then people hear that it's plurality.
1: And and you're now members of the EASR as well, aren't you?
2: We are members. Yeah, great. Mm
1: -hmm. I'm going to wrap up there. I mean, that's a really interesting... um, Not only just to get the specific details of these different contexts, because they're all different and they all tell us something about how people identify, but um, yeah, just to get this historical sweep and this uh, institutional aspect at the end so uh milda thank you so much for
0: being on the religious studies project thank you excellent to hear that interview david Um, milda's also written uh, a piece for you for the the basr bulletin on similar topics hasn't she
1: indeed it's part of a series we have in the bulletin um called from our correspondent where i invite people from uh Far-flung parts of the globe to report back to the UK um, professional RS uh, people on the state of the the state of the industry, to, for want of a better word, in in different places in the world, the different institutional contexts and how mm. that affects you know job market and research prospects and all the rest mm. of it.
0: So, if you're in um, one of those other contexts other than the UK, um, you might want to consider getting in touch with David for Please that. Please do. Yeah. Um, on that note. That interview was recorded at the EASR, and um, David um, was obviously at the EASR recording that, but he was also there uh, representing the RSP, and he spoke to the um, committee of the EASR. I did. In fact, I presented
1: the RSP to the committee of the EASR um, with a proposal that we work with the EASR uh, to better promote... um European scholarship so non-anglophone European scholarship um particularly in um, places like eastern europe and uh, where it's relatively new field um and relatively little heard from in um, in the anglophone uh, speaking countries so they agreed that this was a good idea and so we are going to have two rsp reporters At the EASR conference every year from now on, um, to make sure that we get um, a good batch of interviews representing for the European countries. So, again, if you're going to be at EASR next year um, and you haven't heard enough, uh, you know, from where you are, then get in touch and we can
0: set that up. Yeah. And indeed, I would probably say that the whole of Europe could do with getting heard from better on the RSP. We, 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 we tend to feature Finland quite a lot Well, in that's, comparison. That's because they're very easy to work with. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, we would love to do that. I am a little bit delirious today because I've just uh, printed off my uh, PhD dissertation. Um, so fingers crossed. So
1: congratulations, um, Chris. And um, I can hear, now, yeah. if I listen, I can just hear applause coming from uh, drifting in through the window from all parts of the world so um, <laughs> sincerely well done
0: Well, we'll, we'll wait for the viva uh, no, I'm uh, sure you that's, that's the next hurdle, but I'm incredibly relieved So um, we'll be expecting to hear a lot more from Chris in the coming months Exactly, you'll hear from me next week actually, because I was speaking to Don Llewellyn, or Llewellyn as I try and pronounce it in the interview, and we spoke at, at SACREL, at Lancaster University, and it's the second in our soccer series and we spoke about um religion and feminism broadly um so it's a very interesting interview and quite broad-ranging and great to have dawn um fully involved in the rsp she's been one of our major supporters and she's participated in roundtables and facilitated us coming down to chester it's great to have her actually on the podcast as a Bonafide interviewee. Absolutely. So come back for that uh, next Monday. Come back for the response to this
1: interview on Thursday. Don't forget that you can support the Religious Studies Project by using our amazon.co.uk.com and .ca links. That gives us a cut of everything you buy, not only Religious Studies material, um, at no expense to you. And it's a great way to support the project. You can follow the project on itunes facebook google plus youtube twitter
0: have i forgotten anything those are the only ones we know about if we have another social media account um someone else is running it yeah into scam (laughs) don't send them money don't give them
1: money but do feel free to um to like the posts um but other than that chris
0: thanks for listening